Hello, everyone. Y'all, Sydney got me mad before we started this podcast. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Hello, everyone. It's Asha. And Sydney. And, and this is After 25. We're back. We're back. <laughs> so this year, we're going to do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start off the episodes with little segments. Mm-hmm. Mine is going to be I'm Uncomfortable with Asha K. Lindsay. And mine will be Cackles with Sydney Cadiz. <laughs> and if you know us, or maybe you might have heard it through these last few episodes, the titles for these segments <laughs> fit our personalities. Fit our personality and make complete total sense. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off with that. Then we're going to delve into this. <laughs> Humans of New York story that Sydney made me read before the podcast, which is why my blood is a boiling. So yeah, we're gonna delve into that and have a yeah, y'all. Sydney gonna have to lead this one because I am flabbergasted. Okay, okay. Wow. Do you want to start off with out here? We'll start off with cackles, please. <laughs> So this week for my cackles, um, if you go on Instagram, the Instagram page is at the sexual intellectual. I'll put it in the description in the um, show notes as well. Shout out to my spelling sis. <laughs> this week she had like this super funny story where it was basically like, "What are your craziest sex stories?" There were stories about people. <laughs> you see, it made me cackle. <laughs> One story in particular about people trying to pick people up and dropping them. <laughs> they actually were super funny. And moral of the story, y'all been need to stop skipping legs. Stop, okay? stop it. <laughs> because y'all be liking thick women too. <laughs> Over here, skinny can't pick up the type of woman you like. story but she has other like funny and informative things as well so i would highly encourage you to go follow that instagram page <sighs> oh my goodness no <laughs> did she save it on like her highlights um yep yes in the story Y'all, time highlight go look at the highlights for real because this is it yeah just go look at the highlights <laughs> so i guess are you done yeah okay so this is going to get, like, a little more serious, sorry. Mm-hmm. But for I'm Uncomfortable with Asha K. Lindsay this week, I really just kind of want to talk about this Gail King situation um, for a lot of different reasons. It's a lot of different aspects about this situation that makes me extremely uncomfortable. So just in case you aren't aware, um, the world, honestly, is mourning the sudden loss of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, Gianna Bryant, and seven other lives in a helicopter crash while they were on the way to a Mamba, a Mamba Academy sports basketball game. And I do sincerely apologize for not knowing all names of all nine victims because I do think they all deserve the recognition. So I do apologize for that. But the moral of the story is, as we all know, nine people tragically lost their lives. Um, has it been a full two weeks? 
Sorry. I think so. Um, it's still like really fresh for me. I kind of like have been going back and forth with denial. No, it hasn't so been the, a full two weeks. The mm-hmm. whole like timeline on it is a little fuzzy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so this happened. And if you've been on your Instagram timeline in the last few days, you might have come across a clip of an interview that Gail King did with Lisa Leslie, who is a legend in her own right. Um, And the clip that's circulating around focuses on the 2000, the early 2000 rape allegations that Kobe Bryant um, faced, as well as the subsequent case, which I do know was ended up being dismissed. Um, And watching the video, the first reason I was really uncomfortable is because it does come off very tasteless. Because it does seem like Gail is pushing to change Lisa Leslie's narrative of her best friend that she knew and loved to kind of fit a certain message or agenda. It did seem like she really was trying to get her to kind of change her viewpoint on the fact that that was not the Kobe Bryant she knew. He, in her eyes, could not have been capable of such a thing. And she does not think that it should have anything to do with his legacy. So that was kind of the first thing that made me uncomfortable because we had had a conversation about this, Sydney and I and a few of our other friends, in which we all kind of felt like if, even if you did want to have these conversations because the presence of the media and social media was not around at such level around that time of the initial incident in case, this is not the time. Um, it's really sudden loss, especially for his loved ones. So for all the pain that we might be feeling, you could only imagine what they're going through. And to really kind of press them on that just seems like poor taste and poor timing. So I kind of worked through those feelings on like, how did it make me feel about Gail King? How did it make me feel about journalism in the manner in which we report lives that are lost? Sydney and I had a really good conversation, which might be worth um, talking about in the future on like how past traumas can be reignited when you see certain incidents occur in the news. I think Sydney made a very good point about the fact that for as traumatic it might have been for um, the family members to talk about that, it also could be traumatic for victims of sexual assault to have this be replayed constantly. Um, So that was really kind of some of the things that I had to work through. And as soon as I felt like I had worked through them, good old Uncle Snoop came back, somehow accompanied by Bill Cosby, and there was this full-fledged attack on Gail King, who later says that that was not the full content of the interview, and it was spliced together to look that way, and that Lisa Leslie herself did feel comfortable and okay with the manner in which the interview was conducted. So, Uncle Snoop took it upon himself to really go in as to why he was angry with Gail King for doing this, and the problem that I really had was at the point that he referred to her as a dog-faced bitch. In addition to a lot of other things that he said, and then to kind of be co-signed by Bill Cosby from jail just took a really turn that made me, took a really weird turn that made me even more uncomfortable than what I already was. First of all, let me say this, and then I'm going to move on because I've been talking for a really long time, y'all. I'm sorry. I told you it was really nuanced, and I just didn't want to give you, like, pieces. Um, But let me say this. It has been making me saddened as well as uncomfortable, this 
recent realization I'm having that when some of you guys say we are not to critique our community in public, we are to protect our community in public, uplift our community in public, what you guys are really meaning is we are to protect and uplift Black men. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way that you can really want to protect the entirety of a community and in the same breath call a Black woman a dog-faced bitch. Mm -hmm. It just... It, it just you you can't and then to kind of celebrate this bill cosby co-sign when let's be honest bill cosby was very vocal about his disdain for the rap community and the harm it was doing to the black community as well as identifying black men as thugs just for not having their pants around their waist so the whole the whole kind of like full picture circle of that took my level of uncomfortability towards Gil King and magnified it times a thousand. And so I just really hope moving forward, we one, truly identify what we really mean. And so if you really do mean the upliftment and the private critique of black men say that, don't dress it up as the upliftment and private critique of the black community because that's not really what you mean mm -hmm. because then you wouldn't have went in on that black woman like that in that regard so yeah that's just i'm uncomfortable <laughs> with asha k Lindsay. okay so moving on to further discomfort <laughs> dang you right <laughs> upset and uproar a little bit of cackles too, because it's like uncomfortably. Funny. It's like a wall. <laughs> um. Okay. So this week, um, humans in New York. I actually really enjoy this Instagram page in general I because I feel like they have like some pretty interesting nuanced stories. However, <laughs> um, there was one story that they posted this week that was focused on the love story between um. Bobby. We calling and, him Bobby or we calling him Walter? Well, first of all, his legal name is now Bobby. Okay. So, Bobby. so I'm calling Bobby. But his mama named him Walter. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay. So it was focused on the love story between um, Bobby and Cheryl Love. So just a quick synopsis of the story. Um, Bobby Love was born... Walter Miller. Walter Miller mm -hmm. and um, grew up in the South and basically he was sort of like explaining parts of his childhood and had gotten into a lot of trouble in his childhood ended up going to prison and then subsequently escaping from prison and ending up in New York and then when he went to New York he took on a new identity Bobby Love and then with this identity he met Cheryl. And then Bobby and Cheryl got married, um, had four kids, or were married for 40 years, and over the course of those 40 years, had four kids. Then 40 years later, the FBI come knocking on his door, and uh, Mr. Love is arrested for escaping prison years back. And eventually, he is now free, and they are now together. I'm leaving out a lot of parts of the story that we will talk about. Um, but yeah, and then this story is upheld as, well, humans in New York 
They just presented the story as it is. My issue was when I started seeing everyone comment like, yes, this is so beautiful. Reposting it as this is a wonderful love story. People saying they need to be part of the black love documentary, just really upholding this sort of love story. So first, first things first, this ain't my it. is not it. Surprisingly, my biggest issue was not about um, him being like secretive about being a fugitive mm-hmm. for 40 mm-hmm. years. My biggest issue, because I could almost understand it if it was like, okay, he had this past whatever when he met Cheryl. It was a beautiful marriage. And also, he was really young when he did those crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like... Yeah. When he met Cheryl, it's a totally different person, whatever. Like, they have this beautiful life. They're so happy that I died. Uh, FBI catches up with him. She stays with him, whatever. Like, cool. Love story. I think I can understand that. But it was just like, those 40 years sounded miserable. <laughs> he said, I liked Cheryl because she was innocent. She was the opposite of me. And I think that it, like, sort of triggered this thing of, like... Guys almost sort of having this idealistic view of their partner mm-hmm. and then being attracted to that idealistic view rather than actually trying to get to know, understand, and love the full nuanced person. So there was that. And then when you actually hear Cheryl talk about her marriage, she's saying, like, there was not much affection. There was just years of feeling like something was missing to the point where she said it was hard that she it wore her down and she was crying tears about it. Mm-hmm. And she was praying at the altar that God would change her husband's heart. And it just, it just felt like it wasn't a good marriage. And she's being upheld. And it felt like she was sacrificing a part of herself, internalizing that sort of absence of love and affection, thinking that it was something wrong with her. Mm -hmm. And now she's being upheld for, like, enduring all of that pain. And now they have this beautiful love story because she endured that pain. Y'all might have heard me whisper, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it outright. For me, this ain't it. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is not... This ain't it. Yeah. So, like, one of the things that you just mentioned, which I think is really kind of interesting because I went to church on Sunday for the Mm -hmm. first time in a y'all I'm actually embarrassed to talk about the last time I went to church however I went to church and that actually was a part of the sermon that the pastor preached which is something that you just mentioned about this idea of falling in love with someone because they represent the ideal you Mm -hmm. and so when he was saying it I was like oh okay you know yeah you got to do your own work individually, yada, yada, yada. But, like, when you just said that just then, I really was kind of like, now I really kind of understand what he says about, like, you fall in love with or you find yourself attracted to someone, not for who they are, but because they represent who you would want to be. Mm-hmm. Which, now hearing you kind of mention it that way, I see how that does that person a disservice. Because if you hold me up in this idealistic view of who you are to be, then where am I allowed to really fall short? Mm-hmm. Because I'm supposed to represent your most idealistic self. Mm-hmm. And also, if you don't articulate that ideals to me as 
clearly what's done here because there's a big chunk of his life <laughs> Cheryl that don't was know about. articulated. Then how exactly can you really even expect a person to be that? Mm-hmm. Now, I know you said the whole like not telling his history part was not big for you. <laughs> It's definitely part A of why this ain't it for me, okay? And it's not because of his criminal history. That's literally, like, because I was reading the story, and I was like, okay, he was really young the first time he was introduced to the system. And, like, it just kind of compounds. I'm not saying he, the totality of him as a human being should be reduced to that. He still needs to be honest in his marriage, yes. I I agree with that. He needs to be honest in his marriage. You Mm -hmm. married someone under false pretenses, Period. Like, mm-hmm. literally, the person this woman married did not exist. Mm-hmm. And now, mm-hmm. and then he talks about the fact that, like, his family was encouraging him to be honest with Cheryl. So, you got your family in one? Now, your family got a lie for you? So, you. What? No. And you let this woman close her eyes every night for 40 years. Not knowing your real name. She, I don't, I told y'all, or maybe I didn't, but we learned about pregnancy recently. And listen, y'all, that is a near-death experience for nine months, okay? Women are literally out here putting their lives on the line to have children. (laughs) And you couldn't even give her the courtesy of knowing your mother-given name. And I say mother given because that's the name your mother gave you. And so that deception part of it literally is the first thing that had me like. Arr! Because it wasn't like he said, you know, I didn't tell you about my past because I didn't want you to judge me. But my name is my name. This man gave her a whole false name. Mm-hmm. And then basically was like, I didn't lie. I just omitted the truth. Mm-hmm. Sir. Sir, no. And all that she knew, it was something else. I forget, but all that she knew was that he was from the South and one other thing. That something about he he came to New York for something new because he yep. wanted to do something new. Like what the what is that? And the fact that he could acknowledge that like she didn't press him about it. Yeah. So okay, and like like Sydney was saying. She he met her in the church and she was just the opposite of everything he was and who you know like what he would have wanted in a partner was the opposite of him. I don't know. I think they met at work. I, don't I know thought he, but I church. thought he was working. He like works in the cafeteria at a church. Oh, that's yeah, where he met yeah. her. And so I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. oh. oh, this. Mm-mm. 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 I think another thing too is that like whew, before the days of social media where any and everybody could be a little CIA agent <laughs> I feel like this story maybe not the whole thing of like the 40 year history I'm not 40 year history the um like, 40 year marriage no like the um like the him essentially or him having that like criminal history mm-hmm. and being arrested later on maybe that's not as common but the whole thing of like essentially moving to a new city maybe leaving kids behind families behind stuff is not oh, that I uncommon what you're saying. Story. i see what you're saying and then you meet like this new innocent person that you can partner with and mm-hmm. they don't know about like 
these huge obligations yeah, that you have that left, left behind. Yeah. yeah. So part A for me, the deception. Part yeah. A for Sydney was that it was. It sounded like a terrible marriage for forty years, which is part B for me. That's my part B because I think I agree with you. She like. This y'all, this the deception's woman. an issue for me as well. Maybe my part A is the terrible marriage. Part A is part a terrible B is marriage. A part B is a deception. Yep. But for me, like part A is a deception, <laughs> and part B is a terrible message because this, by her own admission, Cheryl was on her knees crying. at the altar, crying. Felt like this man had after being her married to him for forty years that God would change her husband's heart and so it really just sounded like she was in what she felt was a loveless marriage for 40 years and i i would not want that for my worst enemy like i would not want you to go to sleep every night thinking that the person you have built a home a family a partnership with doesn't love you Mm -hmm. like you think he might like you but he don't love you Mm -hmm. and then it was really weird because like so i didn't see all of the praise honestly a lot of the people that I follow, I haven't been seeing them like, oh, this is black blood. Da, 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 da. <sighs> However, hearing that this is the case, I think another thing that's so ironic to me about it is that like this is black love. But I've heard a lot of men and a lot of women say they don't want a man that all he does is provide you money and sex with no emotional support. Like or men say, let me say women say that and men say I don't want, I'm not getting in a relationship to just be an ATM and a sex supply. Like I, but that's, that's, that's what he provided to her for 40 years. And so it's just kind of like, don't sign me up for that. I'm sorry. Like, and the thing is like, I can understand, like, I can understand partners going through difficult times together, but for her to be like, he wore me down. That's not. No, that's not She okay. definitely said worn Yeah, down. that was a quote from her. Like, <laughs> that was the whole at the altar on my knees, worn down. I was at my wits end, couldn't do it anymore. And this is before she knew he was lying to her for Which only years. happened a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my next point. This is like part B1 problem for me. If you had never gotten caught, you were never going to tell this woman who you were. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, that being a possibility from a partner mm-hmm. is scary. That mm-hmm. you literally could spend all of these years with a person. And unless someone else exposes them to be something... Not really be something, but be someone that you would never admit to your partner that on your own. Mm -hmm. Like, you would take that to the grave with you if you could. Just being lied to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that we've talked. Is there anything else with this this specific story that you want to talk about? Oh, I will say this. Mm -hmm. I do think, for me, the beauty in this, I did actually find in Cheryl. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't her ability to, like, fight through her own pain that she was experiencing within her marriage. Part of it was that, Mm -hmm. 
because I, I do think, like I've told you this before, I do think that marriage takes a lot of work and mm -hmm. that when you do tell someone I'm married to you for better or for worse, you do have to be willing to actually like be there for the better, be and there the for the yeah. better and the worse. So I, I listen, I do think that part of it and mm -hmm. Cheryl being able to honor those vows is beautiful. And, but the, the true beauty in it for me really lied in like her ability to not forgive, but to actually honor that forgiveness mm -hmm. and say like, there are times where I am resentful. There are times where I am so angry at him for lying to me, but I told him I forgive him. And when you say, say that to someone, you have to be willing to take what that means, like the totality of what that means on with that forgiveness like you can't just say throw out the words i forgive you and then constantly like want to throw their um mistakes or the heartbreak they might have caused you in their face mm -hmm. so that to me the level of maturity she demonstrated and being able to do that i thought was absolutely beautiful because that that takes some real internal strength and work to not want to like throw the pain someone has caused you in their face every time you get in another mm -hmm. argument because you say you have told them and you say out loud like I forgive you mm -hmm. and so that she really was genuinely able to forgive him mm -hmm. and not necessarily forget because like she said she still she still has her days of resentment and anger which is understandable the man lied to her for 40 years that. 40 years yeah but she works through that and doesn't. She throw it works in his through face. that and doesn't throw it in his face. And I thought, now that to me is where I was like, "Ooh, that is beautiful." And I, yeah. that's something I can take from this story. Yeah. That other stuff. I agree. She did demonstrate like a beautiful commitment to her marriage mm -hmm. and to her vows. Mm -hmm. And of course, with that portion of forgiveness, where people think of forgiveness as like a one-time thing, like, okay, I forgive you, but not thinking of that ongoing work that does go into forgiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have that trigger or that memory comes up and you almost want to throw it out there, you have to remember like, no, like I said, I forgive you. So I have to, my actions need to demonstrate mm -hmm. that I do in fact forgive you. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, he said he wasn't going to do that anymore. Or he said he was going to act differently. And so his actions need to demonstrate she said that she told him that the marriage is no longer all about him, that she needs her needs attended to as well. That's the other thing that you just made me think about. I will, which to me, they still ain't no hoe. Like that whole 40 years or something. And yeah, nah. to get to this is the part that I'm like, uh-uh. But I do think the biggest part that was holding him back from giving himself to her was the fact that he was holding on to that big lie yeah. and it does seem on both of their accounts that since it has come out he has been able to open up more and yeah. like give more of himself to her and let her shine a little bit more in their relationship yeah. but to have to wait 40 years for that uh-uh 40 years i don't care if it was 40 years and zero kids <laughs> that's a good point Okay, so now that we've addressed the specifics of this story, let's talk about people's reactions to it. Okay. So as I said before, I just had like an issue with everyone saying like, yes, like this is black love, da da da, what a beautiful story. Because it made me realize like, y'all really just don't care that Cheryl got the short end of the stick. <laughs> short end. And I, I see how you could like want to like, talk about but in the end 
she ultimately found this beautiful. But, like, I think to do that really kind of glosses over Mm -hmm. the 40 years of pain and heartbreak that she experienced. Mm -hmm. And if there's a problem with trying to glorify the ends without acknowledging the journey for me. Mm -hmm. And a 40-year journey? mm -mm. Mm -hmm. It's that. And I think it also ties into, like, this idea of sort of within a heterosexual relationship like a woman's growth i mean a man's growth coming from a woman's pain preach preach i hate you but it's like he in order for him to open up or to reach a certain thing or to even be a different person from for bobby love to be a different person from walter miller like Cheryl Love has to endure all these things. Like I wasn't, and it also just like when you put it that way, it makes me think about that image of Keisha Kaor and Gucci Man that went around about like them being like happily in a relationship where mm-hmm. everybody's like everybody wants to talk about you know Keisha or something about like Keisha and Gucci now, but nobody acknowledges that. Keisha stuck with him mm-hmm. through his drug addiction, through his jail stint, through his... It, I, I honestly cannot remember all the things, that, but it is a lot of things that people like plaster up where they're like, yeah, you know, y'all want to glorify their relationship now, but you don't want to stick through this type of stuff with your man. No, I don't want to stick to... No, no, because no, at no. At the end of the day, like, you can't make someone else change. Your commitment is not going to make someone else change. Like the other person wants to change or the other person wants to improve. Because it's quite possible that Gucci could still be doing the same stuff that he was doing previously. It's just that he made the choice that he wanted to do something different. Exactly. Keisha's actions had nothing to do with that. And I think that if we continue to sort of buy into that societal misconception, then we're just like conditioning partners. I'm thinking women and also like sometimes like more like femme partners to be codependent. Where it's like the idea that I'm going to keep pouring my love and somehow me pouring into you like that can somehow change your behaviors or control your actions when really at the end of the day, you're the only person who can make that decision. I just, just, I don't know. And I will never know because there's not another story. But I'm just like, would this story have received the same amount of praise? If it was on the flip side. Exactly. Because I'm just like, and I know cheating is a much, it's not the same situation. But it's like something that I always think about mm-hmm. in these types of situations. Or not even just cheating. Because a big part of this story was deception. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, it was deception. Yeah. And I have heard from guys that like, oh, that's a no for me. Yeah. Like, you deceive me, I'm out. Yeah. But this man deceived her for 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. She found out his real name from the FBI busting in her house. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, is this really what women have to, or, or even like Sydney was saying, more them identifying partners have to endure mm-hmm. to receive your praise. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm, I also don't want it to come off like we are um, 
judging her for staying because like i said i applaud her Mm -hmm. i really do applaud her for being able to say like i forgive you and i can move past this because when i took my vows i said for better and the worst and this was your worst so Mm -hmm. i i really applaud her for that but i don't think that in turn means that this should be some type of like expectation Mm -hmm. within a relationship that Mm -hmm. you should be willing to like Sacrifice yourself completely for this other person. Because y'all, a loveless marriage for 40 years. Like, you feel like you have not gotten... And as you say, we've acknowledged that, like, within things like marriage, like, an amount of sacrifice is involved. Yeah, definitely. However, she completely sacrificed her happiness. Crying at the yeah and so it did kind of like we were like we've been discussing it did really kind of bring up the broader conversation of like is this really what y'all expect from y'all female partners yeah. like this whole idea of what i call struggle love like i don't know if y'all like this this struggle love that i have to struggle through the dirt with you for mm-hmm. years on years on years only for on the years. switch to turn one day when you're in your 50s and to maybe do better now we're this like beautiful happy family and like yeah i just i don't think that that's something i'm willing to sign up for and what i'm what i am discussing is not like like we've said several times i'm not discussing that whole not being there for you when something goes wrong Mm -hmm. like that yeah, that's a relationship. If we're trying to build a partnership, yeah, I do need to know that you'll be there for me when it gets hard. Mm-hmm. And I need you to know that I will be there for when you it hard. when it gets hard. But to like, for it to one, always be hard for years on years or for me to feel like I'm literally having to sacrifice not a little piece. A huge chunk of my own happiness mm-hmm. to make this work. Like I'm not. I'm... That's what I meant with the like worn down part. I think it's one thing if there's something that's wearing on you or wearing on your partner or wearing on both of y'all, but y'all are both there. Yeah, it's a whole different thing for your partner to be wearing you down because that's not a partner to me. Yeah. Oh, ooh. that's not. That's not a true partnership. I heard that. No, I'm saying it resonated in my yeah. spirit. It was like I was taking it in, but then it fully resonated. I'm your partner, not your mother. Oh, that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> for a whole nother day. But you know what I mean? Like that whole like yeah. pouring, unconditional love, yeah. all of that. That's a very motherly mm-hmm. without really too much expecting anything back. That's very motherly. I'm not your mother. I did not sign up to be your mother. Like I'm your partner. And I do acknowledge that sometimes with like, relationships with like differing abilities um that there might be a partner taking on more of a caretaker role Mm -hmm. but still that's different from your partner actively withholding something or actively doing something that's wearing you down loveless she felt like he did not love her for 40 years yeah or but then i think about it right so in the context of like put this on the black love documentary Mm -hmm. i start kind of thinking about some of the stories on there Mm -hmm. they kind of follow this similar trend which to me brings me back to my our really our original kind of point of like 
this ain't it. And that's scary. Because mm-hmm. it's like, if this is what you guys are applauding. And upholding and expecting. Upholding. On, yeah, like, you are expecting. And, and I just. And it brings in that question is like, do you really love me if you expect for me to completely sacrifice myself and be worn down by you? I mean, to me, no. To me, you don't. That's just me. Which yeah. is why I'm saying, like, if when you think about, like. And I'm not, this is not all of the narratives on that Black Love mm-hmm. documentary show. Because they really do it's have not. some beautiful stories about sticking through, like, the tough times with yeah. your partner. Like, there really are some, there, it's not all roses and yeah. baby. Like, I do think they do a beautiful job really depicting, like, how difficult marriage and relationships can be. And yeah. how every day is not sunshine and roses. But when this is kind of a common narrative that you can see on different platforms... As as a single woman, it does kind of like scare me that this is an expectation that future partners might have of me because I don't I don't want that expected of me, nor do I expect that of you. Like mm-hmm. I I do not feel that that is a fair expectation to have of a person mm-hmm. that I have to constantly pour into you. And poor and poor, or even if it's not poor, but that I have to constantly like be here for t- for the hope that one day, because I really I feel like that's I was, what she I was, was gonna on. call it abuse, but I think it's more so neglect. It's like walking into a situation. I don't want to walk into a situation and have the person assume that I'm willing to be neglected or abused, and I don't want for them to either to to accept neglect or or abuse from, from a partner. Yeah. Yeah, cuz she was I, to me she and like a lot of partners the partner that I find that has to like go through this along with Cheryl, I find like their narrative is always centered around a hope and a prayer. Yeah. Of one day you'll change. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like I need more than a hope and a prayer that one day you will. It sounds. It also sounds like Cheryl's codependent. It, yeah. it, she was. I mean, I don't. She was young. Like he. Yeah. He. I don't want to say targeted, but like. He kind of zoomed in on a person that he admits was innocent and naive. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know how you don't build some type of like codependency within that. And I'm not saying it's healthy, but I'm just saying like if he can identify that when he first started dating her, she was innocent. She was naive. She was his ideal self. Like, and that's the man she's known for 40 years. Like, I, I don't know how she's supposed to you know what I'm you know what I'm yeah. saying it's just like yeah it's just a lot of things about that situation to me that I just make me uncomfortable yeah and then the on the larger scale thinking that this is kind of on the checklist of what I'm not, yeah, I was about to say what you would be expected to be in a relationship but let's be real like this this type of responsibility mostly false on women mm-hmm. are expected to be in a relationship it's just kind of like nah 
you need a therapist, I need a therapist, and then we'll get a couple's therapists. Yeah. So that we, or just, and, and that's more so to say, one, not that I think therapy is a bad thing, because I do. But the, the over, I think it is a good thing. That ain't come out right. <laughs> I think therapy <laughs> is a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, it's not to say that a person, like, you as my partner need to go to therapy, and I as your partner need to go to therapy, and we need couples therapy together. The message behind that for me is really like, you need to do your own work on yourself. Mm-hmm. I need to do my own work on myself, and then we need to do our work on us as a couple. But we the can't work not, on us not as expecting a, perfection, but expecting wholeness. Wholeness. And, but we, because, because realistically, how can we work on us? together as a couple and we are not clear who we are Mm -hmm. as individuals and i think that that process and that identity of you as an individual and learning who that person is is continuous i don't think it Mm -hmm. only happens up until a certain age which is why i'm saying like always you need to do your work i need to do my work and then we can work together to keep this thing going Mm -hmm. but this idea that i gotta be at somebody also crying and praying to the lord that he (laughs) changed No. <laughs> it's a no for me, y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Anything else you want to add to it? Don't expect that from me, period. Don't expect it from me either. That's fine. Protect the black woman, man. Exactly. That's the thing. Is like people would be like, "Black women are queens. Protect the black women." But you think that this treatment of black women is okay? Is okay? Dang! Even if you are treating your mama like this, don't be treating your mama like this. But this, but that's what I was about to say. Cause like I thought about it when I ended it earlier. When I was like, when I ended my I'm uncomfortable segment earlier, and I think this could be like oh different topic for a different Mm -hmm. day but it did just make me think we're having this conversation and I feel like if you can't see the humanness in black women Mm -hmm. I definitely don't understand how you how you start seeing it in these exceptionally marginalized groups within the black community because Mm -hmm. everything is an intersectionality like our identities don't exist in a vacuum Mm -hmm. And so then it's kind of like, and I'm not going to say this is for everyone because I do think too, we're individual, we're very complex. And so you might not see like the humanity in one person and one part of their identity, but still be able to identify it in another part. But it is just kind of like, cis, heterosexual black women can't even get, and then I'm... I'm supposed to then in turn ask you to see like non-binary trans like and I'm not saying I don't think one no, is no but I was just about to same. say but there are non-binary and trans people out there who don't really oh no that's what I'm saying, but that's that's what I'm saying. like I, I yeah. completely understand how like you can identify the humanity of one part of someone's identity and I think this was like more so to kind of like my I'm uncomfortable in the beginning when I was kind of saying like I'm starting to realize that and I don't think I clarified that so let me be very specific that when a lot of black men Mm -hmm. say we are to protect our community we are not to critique outside we are to uplift what you mean is we are to protect uplift and not publicly critique black men okay so then it's also which is why I'm that's why I'm like when I start thinking about it we have the larger conversation I'm kind of like okay so if I can't even get you to really include like black women 
I'm trying to understand, like... So, it's like black, does your, heterosexual... Yeah. Like, so then... Where do all of these other com- complexities and intersectionalities of blackness fall in your window? Like, what mm-hmm. what is your, what becomes your viewpoint of how they should be handled? It, yeah, it can get real deep real quick. But all I'm going to say is this ain't it. Mm-hmm. Back to my original statement before I go on a tangent. <laughs> so, yeah, don't accept, don't accept struggle love. And don't expect your partner to accept struggle love. Amen. And if you feel like you're in a relationship like that, maybe question whether you're codependent. But yeah, any final thoughts? All right. Well, I'm going to wrap up this podcast. Um, If you have any questions or comments for us on this topic... Uh, please email us at after25podcast at gmail.com. I'll put the email in the description box and let us know your thoughts. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.